It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, your team every day. That's our motto here at the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure to watch our show and subscribe to our show over on our Locked On Panthers YouTube channel. You can also check us out wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Just be sure to rate review and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of Locked On Panthers and be sure to follow me Julian Council on Twitter at Julian Council where every single Friday I answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions here on the show to participate in this week's edition of the weekly Friday mailbag either at me or DM me on Twitter at Julian Council today's episode of Locked On Panthers is brought to you by LinkedIn LinkedIn Jobs help you find the candidates you want to talk to faster post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. The NFL trade deadline is 13 days from now on November 1st at 4 p.m. So the Carolina Panthers still have just under two weeks to decide what to do with this roster that currently has them in dead last, but possibly first place if you want to look at it as it pertains to the NFL draft and the number one overall pick as the Panthers are sitting at one and five, losing back-to-back games to the, I guess, three games in a row now to the Arizona Cardinals the San Francisco 49ers, and then on Sunday to the Los Angeles Rams. They've already made one trade so far prior to the deadline coming on Monday with Robbie Anderson. Now, Robbie Anderson, him getting traded away, I don't think would fall into the same category if someone like Christian McCaffrey gets traded away or Brian Burns or DJ Moore or Derek Brown or Shaq Thompson, some of the names that have been brought up by the national media and, of course, here locally and with you, the fan, who's also wondered and pondered who could possibly be the next one out the door in Carolina. Robbie Anderson had been on the trade block for over a year. The Panthers finally found a deal getting a six-rounder in 2024 and then a seventh-round pick in 2025, and that's good compensation considering that can always be used in 2023 NFL draft or sometime in the next couple weeks to continue to get assets to maybe help them out in 2023 when they bring in a new head coach and go after a new starting quarterback for the 2023 season in all likelihood, depending upon, you know, with the new head coach and how they feel about Matt Corral, who they traded up for into the third round a couple months ago, but he's out for the rest of the season and we're not going to get to see what Matt Corral looks like in an NFL game, unfortunately, here in 2023. So Robbie Anderson needed to go. Matt Rule guy had multiple run-ins with his coaches, most notably and most recently with Joe Daly, the wide receiver coach, on Sunday, but not once, but twice, leading him to get run out of the game by Steve Wilkes, the interim head coach, and then Robbie Anderson asking questions about how confused he was and why am I not playing and yada, yada, yada. Either way, Robbie Anderson no longer here and no longer our problem. So was reading ESPN.com, Jeremy Fowler. He is a uh, NFL senior writer, maybe an insider as well. I'm not really quite sure what his title is, but he was writing about some of the uh, early buzz, rumors, and teams that could do a deal at the NFL trade deadline 
here in 13 days' time. And the first team he brought up, the Carolina Panthers. He says, what the Carolina Panthers do over the next two weeks will be closely watched league-wide. The Panthers entered the week with nine draft picks over the next two years. Not great. They just added future sixth and seventh rounders as part of a deal with Arizona for Robbie Anderson, whom the team had tried to trade for a while now. Defensive end Brian Burns and defensive tackle Derek Brown have garnered the most interest, but most people in the league I've talked to are skeptical Carolina would move off ascending former first-rounders who could serve as building blocks for a new coach. It would take massive hauls like first-round picks and more to pry any either away. So I And I agree with that. If Carolina, a team, when I look at the roster, I just don't really think they're that far off. And I've said this to myself, and I've tried to grapple – with the idea of this Panthers team not being very far away, but also being possibly in position for a top three pick at the end of the season. If that's the case, then clearly it cannot just be the quarterback position. The offensive line has been completely overhauled. They're much better. Iki Iquano, if you look at his pro football focus rankings and his grades, he's been really good over the last month that we've seen here in Carolina. He's only played six games, and he's getting better week in and week out, and that's exactly why the Carolina Panthers drafted him sixth overall, and he was the first offensive player taken off the board in the 2022 draft a couple months ago. So that position group is, for the most part, I think they're fixed. You have weapons like DJ Moore, like Christian McCaffrey. We're going to get into both of those guys here in a moment. Tight end positions, a complete joke. No offense to any of those guys. It's just it's the worst in the NFL. That's just reality of the situation that we have here in Carolina. Defensive line, not always great against the run, but Derrick Brown has ascended into the kind of player that you hoped he would be when the Carolina Panthers drafted him seventh overall back in 2020. Why part ways with him? Brian Burns, an excellent young pass rusher who was just a pro bowler a year ago and someone who you picked up his fifth-year option and you're already showing that you want to invest in him. And I would think this offseason in 2023 is when you would extend him. And I saw there was some rumor I don't even really know what it was on his Instagram story and that's where we, that's the day and age we live in we're going through guys IG and we're trying to figure out what's going through their head and he had posted I guess some video with Jimmy Garoppolo highlights and then he had posted a picture of a Ram or whatever it was people were thinking oh he wants to go to the 49ers or Rams and that's getting Niners fans and Rams fans all excited about the possibility of Brian Burns on their defensive line and in that defense that they have out west his brother, Stanley, Stanley McClover, who is the hype man, I haven't really seen much of him this year, I guess because the team's no good, but they really uh, used up all the uh, hype with him going into last season and haven't really heard much from him at all. But he was saying, yeah, that's not true at all. Y'all just run with anything. So I don't really think I'm all that concerned with Brian Burns. You picked his fifth-year option. That seems like a building block. Why would you get rid of a player like him? Same thing with Derek Brown. So not too concerned about that. And I wouldn't want to get rid of those guys. Like those two, J.C. Horn, you got Dante Jackson under the contract. Say what you will about Dante. Jeremy Chin, you have a solid core, guys. Really, it's Chin, it's Derek Brown, it's Brian Burns, it's J.C. Horn. Like those four defensively. Those need to be the bedrock of your defense moving forward. Now, when we talk about, hey, if this team is one of the worst in the NFL this year, it can't just be the quarterback that sunk them. The Panthers are not doing a good job getting after the passer. Is that Brian Burns' fault? No, he's doing his job. Everyone else, though, not having Hassan Reddick, who's gone on to Philadelphia and has had a really good year for the 6-0 Eagles, that's hurting them. They need to be able to find someone who can rush opposite of Brian Burns and take off the pressure from him. And that's something we talked about all offseason. And lo and behold... It's all kind of come 
to a head as the Carolina Panthers have one of the worst pass rushes in the NFL as far as getting actually to the quarterback. They've had a top 15 pressure rate. They're just not getting the sacks that they got a year ago with Reddick on one side and Brian Burns on the other side. Linebacker is also of a concern. So those could be other possibilities of why the Carolina Panthers or reasons really why the Carolina Panthers might end up being the worst team in the NFL. Can't just be quarterback, but that's the case. Then it's not just as simple as, Hey, bring this one guy in this one coach and everything's fixed. Maybe it is, but I look at it. Do you really want to keep gutting the roster when it could already be the worst team in the NFL? I don't really feel that's the smartest thing to do at this point in time, but it's worth um, looking at the entirety of the roster as a whole. Well, uh, Jeremy Fowler also goes on, goes on to say that people from those teams, say running back Christian McCaffrey is available under the right terms. They want a lot. A high-ranking AFC personnel man said, I think a first-round pick or more. Apparently, linebacker Shaq Thompson could also be available. A significant footnote, the Panthers restructured McCaffrey's contract in March, pushing his base salary to around the minimum. That means a team acquiring McCaffrey would owe him in a prorated version of a $1.12 million deal, very similar to what Arizona's paying Robbie Anderson. I think about $690,000. That would be very similar to what a team would have to pay Christian McCaffrey if they were to trade him. The problem, though, is his contract becomes more complicated in 2023 with a salary of $11.8 million, which is not guaranteed. That could be problematic for a team like the Buffalo Bills, who would love to bring him in this year, but want to keep their uh, cap outlook for the future clean for next year due to many high-dollar players on their pay- payroll. But if a team is looking for a one-year rental to capitalize on a championship offense, McCaffrey might be the best fit. And also, Buffalo is a team that inquired about him. Um, also, he's saying that at least the Buffalo Bills and others would love that McCaffrey skill in their backfields, the Rams, We'll get into here in a second. And the 49ers are also implicated in the McCaffrey market. The Panthers were open to dealing with McCaffrey in the offseason, according to sources, multiple teams. So a move would be hardly a surprise at this point in time. I've also seen guys like Benjamin Albright, who works at, w, at um, uh, KOA Radio out in Denver, and he's usually pretty accurate on anything he tweets or reports. And he's saying that it seems like he's going to not happen with Christian McCaffrey. I don't know. The Shaq Thompson one is – that is curious – I think it was Jason um, Thompson of Over the Cap over the weekend who had tweeted about how the Panthers could possibly go about the next couple weeks with with trades and opening up cap space for next season. We're going into next season, they're already in the red, and that's no longer Robbie Anderson's contract on the books. They could save, I think, about $13 million if they cut Shaq Thompson. There would be a dead cap hit because the last two seasons – like with McCaffrey and like with Robbie Anderson this past offseason, the Panthers have restructured his deal to find a way to open up some cap space for that season. And so far, as we've seen, that has not led to wins for the Carolina Panthers. So while trying to compete in the now, the Panthers have really only hurt themselves in the future. And that's something that the Panthers really need to figure out because we've been sitting here doing this whole yo-yo of, hey, are they contending? Are they rebuilding? It never really seemed to make a ton of sense. Early on, when Rule was here in 2020, very clearly they were rebuilding. But after that season where they went 5-11, and it seemed like they were ready to contend. And when they start off 3-0 last year, they make the Henderson trade. They get into the shot, They get into the Stephon um, Gilmore um, trade talks out of nowhere, and they get him here. And you're just trying to wonder, okay, do they think they're going to win right now? But they haven't been able to get a quarterback. And they got the head coaching hire wrong, they being David Tepper, so they haven't really picked the lane. So what lane are the Panthers going to pick? Because all their moves lead you to believe they're trying to win ASAP. 
And I understand that Scott Fitter and Matt Rule, all, they always said, oh, we don't know what win now mode means. We're always trying to win. Okay, guys, you have to understand. Now, really, guys, as in Scott, you have to understand, though, like, Scott, you've been around long enough to know when you can actually compete for something and when you can't compete for something. Like, the Giants right now, they're 5-1. and one. Are the Giants, like, real contenders? No, not necessarily. They, can, they should try to go to the playoffs, obviously, because it's only good for experience, but they shouldn't make moves thinking that, hey, we're only one or two pieces away because Brian Dayball had a good first year and Daniel Jones played a little bit better and Saquon Barkley stayed healthy. Like, there's clearly other things on that roster they need to fix. Same case here in Carolina. Cap situation is not good. It would be nice, possibly, to be able to trade away a player like Shaq Thompson, get some sort of assets, and then also be able to open up some cap saves for next year. But then again, the linebacker position, there's already question marks of who's going to really step in. Littleton, okay so far, really not great. Damian Wilson had a good game against San Francisco. Outside of that, haven't really heard his name all that much. Frankie Louvu has been somewhat of a revelation when he's been healthy, but he's missed the last two weeks. And we haven't seen enough about Brandon Smith, who Phil Snow, the former D.C., said was going to start at some point in time. Is that still going to be the case? Now, Al Holcomb as a defensive coordinator and, of course, Steve Wilkes as the interim head coach. We'll see. If I'm looking at it, the Panthers could absolutely use an edge rusher or even a linebacker early in a draft come April. So getting rid of Shaq Thompson makes plenty of sense, especially when you look at the contract. That was a Marty Herney deal. And you can maybe even try – I don't know, you can loop him in as a rule guy if you want to because Matt Rule had him as a captain. He's been here the last couple of years. I don't know. But um, that was one that really stood out to me. I've liked Shaq. I don't know how healthy he is right now. He certainly wasn't as healthy as we thought he was last season with the bone-on-bone knee injury, and he missed all of training camp, was on the pup list, and Louvuza overshadowed him. So does it make sense to move on from Shaq Thompson via trade? So we'll see um, what happens over the next couple weeks. Now, Christian McCaffrey, though, that's the one that most people are really interested in. We'll get into it because the Rams have a player – that could be a swap for Carolina in a potential Chris McCaffrey trade. Also, Charles Robinson, NFL insider of Yahoo Sports, had a nice thread on Tuesday breaking down his quick thoughts on McCaffrey to potential trade. We'll go over that here in just a moment on Locked on Panthers. But before we do that, let me tell you all about LinkedIn Jobs. And, hey, I've been on LinkedIn before. I've been looking for a job, and I'm honestly looking for a job now. So might be on LinkedIn a lot in you if you're trying to hire people, you should absolutely be on LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. So when you go up there on LinkedIn, make sure when you create a free job post, to use a purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on NFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. 
Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm not going to sit here and guarantee you anything as far as who's going to be a Carolina Panther after November 1st and who's not. I feel rather confident that DJ Moore is going to be here. I have a buddy who does local radio in Nashville, and he was asking me last week, like, hey, how good of a uh, run blocker is DJ Moore out wide? Like, dude, really? Like, I don't see that happening. I didn't say that to him, but in my mind, like, why would the Panthers do that? You don't have a quarterback. Okay. But if you bring in a rookie quarterback and his best receivers – returning are Terrace Marshall and Shai Smith, and we'll see what we get out of LaVishka Chenault the rest of the year when he's healthy. I don't see how that quarterback is set up for success, and that's one of the big things about it. If you have a quarterback, and former Panther Robbie Anderson talked about this when he was in New York with the Jets and Sam Darnold, that Darnold's development got effed up. You have to have players around your quarterback for them to have success. Look at Buffalo. Look what Brandon Bean did to help Josh Allen, trading for Stephon Diggs, bringing in Cole Beasley, getting Gabe Davis, Dawson Knox at tight end. You have to put players around your quarterback in order for them to have success, have a good infrastructure. The Eagles, what they've done for Jalen Hurts, trading at A.J. Brown, drafting Devontae Smith, that's what you have to do if you want your young quarterback to have success. The Panthers, when they bring in a new quarterback, whether it's going to be Matt Corral starting or if they draft someone in the first round, which I think is the best course of action at this point in time, especially if they're going to be situated in the top five, you need to put weapons around them. So how does it help the next head coach who might be an offensive head coach and the next quarterback have success if you get rid of DJ Moore, who you have on a really good deal? Three-year extension, about $6 million, $20 million per year. That's nothing when you look at the wide receiver market. And how things played out with DK Metcalf and AJ Brown and a lot of these big name receivers the last offseason. And how that's not even mentioning Tyreek Hill. So to me, I don't see why they would get rid of DJ Moore. I don't know how that helps a team, certainly not in the interim when they're already awful on offense as is, but in the long term, when you bring in a new head coach who I think is gonna be offensive minded, and then a new quarterback, especially when it's probably gonna be a rookie. So I'm just putting that out there. Brian Burns. That's a non-starter for me. Derek Brown, no, no, don't do that either. Jeremy Chin's not even on, not even, there's no discussions, which is great. And J.C. Horn, like those four got to be building blocks. Shaq Thompson, you can move off of him. All that means, though, is that you have to find a new linebacker in the draft. Like, and someone early, like the second round pick needs to be a linebacker. And if there's a possibility they're able to get a first round pick for someone like Christian McCaffrey, then I'm talking about, okay, quarterback with your top one, then that second one, maybe a wide receiver as another weapon, especially when you look at how we got to see more out of Terrace. And it's going to be hard to even really evaluate Terrace Marshall and Shai Smith and the rest of his receiving core the rest of the year if there's not remotely competent quarterback play for the final 11 games of this season. You might have to bring in another wide receiver. But linebacker, that would also be a position that I'm looking at 
in the first round for the Carolina Panthers. And that not, might not just be edge rusher, but just someone who can be an every down linebacker for the Carolina Panthers. Like we've had in the past with Luke Keekley, with Thomas Davis, with John Beast and Dan Morgan, like that kind of player, you would love that. And the kind of player that you might be able to flip to be in a position where you could have not just one, but two first round picks is Christian McCaffrey, Charles Robinson of Yahoo sports does a really good job covering the league. And he gave a, a short little thread on Christian McCaffrey's trade market on Tuesday saying a handful of teams are interested but not pushing hard yet to deal for McCaffrey. The interest has been more of a checking in of Carolina with the initial Bills report to see if he's actually being shopped. At the moment, the Panthers are listening are in listening mode with Christian McCaffrey. So Scott Federer said in on every deal, if people call and inquire, he'll listen. He said it didn't matter who it was. He'd always listen and, and wonder and think, hey, is that actually the best thing for the team? Now, the second thing he says, the whole Bills dalliance with McCaffrey stemmed back to when Buffalo called about him in the offseason, but that never went anywhere, and it was totally dead until this point in the season. Even now, the Bills are in more of a monitoring mode than anything, a callless mode. So the same thing that Jeremy Fowler uh, was saying on ESPN. And in three, in terms of the franchises interested in McCaffrey, I'm told it's teams that are running back away from either being complete or being a Super Bowl contending team in 2020. Two, excuse me, the Bills are interested, but slow playing it. I absolutely believe the 49ers are in that mix, too. We heard the Rams from Fowler. Uh, fourth thing he says, compensation-wise for McCaffrey, I think the multiple first-rounders chatter is a reflection of what Panthers owner David Tepper would like, but not what the market is. I don't believe any team would surrender two first, maybe one first-rounder plus another pick or assets is possible. And then the last thing he says, to be clear, the Panthers aren't looking to tear down slash fire sale. So Robbie Anderson, again, not a fire sale move. That's just getting rid of a rule guy. He says they'll likely deal a player or two that were rule guys like Robbie Anderson, which we've already seen, but want to keep this young core together, especially on defense, meaning no non-starter on Brian Burns, on Derek Brown, J.C. Horn, which is not even a conversation, hasn't been thrown out there, Jeremy Chin. Like, those are the four guys I think absolutely they're looking at as the core of that defense. He uh, finishes by saying they also believe McCaffrey is a helpful player for whoever the future coach slash young quarterback is. And that's the same kind of point I just made about D.J. Moore. If you're going to have a young quarterback, and we've seen last season, we made all the excuses for Sam Darnold about the offensive line not being good, but also him not having Christian McCaffrey and how much better he was with McCaffrey and how worse he was without McCaffrey. And we'll see, possibly this season. If Sam comes back healthy and he gets the starting job again, we'll see what Sam looks like behind a good offensive line, or at least one that he doesn't have to be terrified of getting hit on every play playing behind, and what he could look like with a healthy Chris McCaffrey, barring Chris McCaffrey still a Carolina Panther, come the morning of November 2nd. We will see, or really come November 1st at 4.01 p.m. Eastern time. The first rounder, that's for me. I want McCaffrey. I have not been someone who's given up on Christian. You look at him this year. He's the offense on Sunday. He was the offense. He probably still is the offense moving forward until they get any sort of competent quarterback play. And I know that might concern people. And I don't know how concerned people might be is at this point in time, like, hey, if you run him to the ground next two weeks, he's still healthy and he goes somewhere else and he breaks down. It's like, all right, whatever, not our problem anymore. We got his money off the books and that's theirs. So I understand that in a way, but I don't want to get rid of that player. You think the Panthers are close, and again, like I just go back and forth on how close they really are if they're this bad record-wise and it just can't be the quarterback, but also looking at it like, man, I just rosters really should not be that bad. Like They should not be as bad as they are, and maybe the quarterback position really is holding them that far that back. I don't know. Do you really want to get rid of one of the best offensive players in the league? I don't know, because you bring in a rookie, and you give him Christian, you give him DJ, you give him a good offensive line, you give him a good, smart OC and a good, smart head coach, especially offensive side of the ball, and then another wide receiver 
maybe in the first round, if that's what happens, if you can get another one, like we're in the second round, then you can flourish possibly next season. Like that's my thought. Like having the good enough, a good foundation, a strong foundation in situation for a young quarterback is probably more important than anything. We've seen in the past where, I mean, like Blake Bortles was not good, that good. And I'm not going to sit here and act like Jackson had the best foundation, but I mean, hell, they figured out a way to win a Blake Bortles. The the Jets under Rex Ryan with Mark Sanchez, he wasn't great. Great defense, good running game, good enough foundation. Like Josh Allen, it took him a while. Now he's awesome. But did you really see that kind of turnaround? I don't know if those are the best examples, but I think you know, I, my, my point I'm trying to get across is like Jared Goff wasn't great, but once you got rid of Jeff Fisher and brought in Sean McVay, and you had Todd Gurley doing his thing, and then Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods, and then of course Cooper Cup before they traded away, the, him being you know Jared Goff getting traded away to Detroit, like that was a good foundation. What you set your quarterback up with is just as important as just the skill level and the talent that they have. So having that is so key for Carolina. Now, there's one thing I was looking at as far as a potential trade, and I was looking at Cam Akers and the Rams, and the Rams apparently are pretty much done with Cam Akers. Sean McVay, the Rams head coach, spoke on Monday saying, as of right now, I think the best option for all parties I would – I think would be to explore if there's a good situation for him with another team. If that does come to, doesn't come to fruition, I would never say that him coming back and figuring out the best way to be able to utilize him and him being the best player he's capable of is off the table. I would never speak in absolutes like that. Acres so far this season has 151 yards on 51 carries. Is it possible the Rams, a team who are interested in Chris McCaffrey, would be willing to part ways with a first-round pick and also give up Cam Akers? Because it works for both teams, I would think. The Panthers get a first. They get off the Chris McCaffrey off the books. They get a rookie contract. They get a rookie second-round contract on the books. Now, Akers dealt with an Achilles tear, came back miraculously in the playoffs and did nothing at all last season. Really was a detriment to the offense. And so far, things have not worked out for him in his third season in L.A. Now, he would have only one year after this year on his contract and then we see how that goes, and then the Panthers could draft another running back, which is kind of the way teams you do it anyways. Draft someone, run them into the ground after four or five years, and then draft a new one. That's a position that you can easily replace and find that kind of production if you have, of course, a good quarterback as well and a good offensive line. And I think the Carolina Panthers, at least offensive line-wise, can do that. Now, McCaffrey's special. I'm not saying Cam Akers comes in here and he becomes Chris McCaffrey, but at some point in time, his rookie year, Cam Akers showed that he could play in this league. So is that something that possibly the Carolina Panthers could be interested in? I don't think it's a terrible deal. Akers has potential. I wonder if he can ever be that guy he was and grow into even a better player. But it's something to think about when it comes to the Rams. Like the Rams want to get Chris McCaffrey, and the Rams don't really have picks anyways. They trade all those picks away for Jalen Ramsey and for Matthew Stafford and getting rid of Goff. So I don't know what compensation they have, but if you're going to make a trade to send McCaffrey over to the Rams – you might as well get Cam Akers back in return. That's just my thought there, even though as someone I really don't want to see Chris McCaffrey go. Okay, so one thing we see every time a coach gets fired is uh, they start telling us where the bodies are buried, and they start telling you some things about why it went wrong. Well, a lot of those articles came over the weekend about Matt Rule, and I haven't really commented on them, so I figured I might as well comment on them here in just a moment on Locked on Panthers. But before we get to that, we were talking about all the uh, betting odds as far as Matt Rule when he get fired and who is the next coach up in line, and then also the Panthers, you know, what their 
their lines are. I know the line this weekend open up at nine and a half. Panthers as a home underdog to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You can check out that line over at Bet Online, which is the number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It's the fastest and the easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I know a lot of y'all asked me early on in the season on the weekly Friday mailbag, what exactly is going on with the Carolina Panthers? And we try to pinpoint what exactly was Matt Rule doing wrong here in Carolina. And many of you go to, he's a college coach. It's like, okay, but what does that exactly mean? What tangibly was Matt Rule doing so wrong that led to an 11-27 and record here in 38 games in Carolina? Because you can say, oh, he's a college coach. Okay, great. He's a college coach. What what does that mean? Like, there's no context other than like, okay, he came from college. And we've seen in the past college coaches that have been better than Matt Rule, like Steve, Steve Spurrier and like Nick Saban and I guess Chip Kelly as well had less success. Now, Chip Kelly actually went to the playoffs. So, Chip Kelly had better success. But guys who were better coaches than Matt Rule didn't stick in the NFL. So, of course, Matt Rule didn't stick in the NFL because he's a college coach. That's what I hear. Now, there's a couple things that came out over the weekend. There was an article – from, I think, Ian Rappaport, and there's also one from Jonathan Jones, CBS Sports. He has to cover the Carolina Panthers for the Charlotte Observer. Starting off with the first one, actually, it was Joe Person. Joe Person from The Athletic. And he talked about some of the things that, um, the findings about with Matt Rule and how things kind of fell apart here for him. And last December, Joe had an article about how a lot of people didn't think that this was a meritocracy, a lot of players because, and agents as well, because Matt Rule had so many Temple and Baylor players. Now, here's the thing. When you get a head coaching job, you're going to bring people in who can help you implement your culture, your system. It makes a lot of sense. Like Phil Snow, that's his guy. Ed Foley, that's his guy. That's why Steve Wilkes fired them. And wherever Matt Rule goes next in college, they will be on his staff. That's what you do. Now, coming to the NFL, plenty of his former players are now in the NFL. Some of them are better than others, like Hassan Reddick, compared to number 52, whose name will not be mentioned on this podcast, who started at middle linebacker back in 2020. That can be good. That can also be bad, as there's plenty of players who probably wouldn't be on other rosters if Matt Rule was not an NFL head coach. So that comes out last year. Another thing that came out, which was very striking, was a season ago and the Panthers were 5-6. and six. They had brought in Cam. He scored those two touchdowns, his first two touches at Arizona. They get the 5-5. Five and five. They have the home camming. Ron Rivera comes back, and the Panthers lose that game after Cam played phenomenally especially when you consider he had only been here for like nine days at that point in time they're five and six 
it's a bye week. And I think it's be I think it's before I think yeah, it was bye week, then it was Miami. So it's a bye week, you're five and six, and Matt Rule decided to write, I'm gonna go on vacation. Instead of sticking around in town and helping to catch Cam up on the offense. He leaves that duty up to Sean Moran, the the quarterback coach, and then former off, offense coordinator Joe Brady. So Matt Rule goes on vacation, and he comes back, watches Kenny Pickett, his former recruit, who turned him down, who won the ACC title in Charlotte against Wake Forest at Bank of America Stadium. So he comes back to do that. Then the next day, on the bye week, their off day, and what was supposed to be my day off, he decides, I'm going to fire Joe Brady. So all week long, Joe Brady is helping Cam Newton get up to speed. All week long, Joe Brady is working. And these other coaches like Sean Ryan are working to get this team to turn around and be in position to actually be a playoff team. But he's gone. Matt Rule is. And he comes back and then fires Joe, which is just such a scuzzy thing to do, to have someone work for you all week and then, like, hey, I'm going to fire him. Like, I've been in a position where, like, I've been laid off where it's like, all right, I worked the entire work day. Then it's like at 6.01, hey, Julian, come to the office. Okay, we're actually moving on. Like, I, I hate when people do that. If you don't want me at your company or working for you anymore, then just tell me don't come in. Don't have me work all week or all day and be like, actually, sorry, we don't want you. Matt Rule doing that, it's, I get to business, but there's a better way to treat people, especially someone who shares the same agent with you and someone who you decided to hire. And you said later on that, hey, I went outside my comfort zone. Well, it's certainly in your comfort zone to go on vacation and to come back and then to fire someone who was working their ass off for you to get the quarterback that you didn't want, but then had to get back up to speed so you could help so you could win games, get this thing back on track. And the fact that Matt Rule left town apparently upset a lot of people within the organization. And that's part of the reason why I guess guys in the end kind of tuned out Matt Rule and things didn't work out. There was also from Jonathan Jones, CBSports.com, the whole way of the Panther, which is just in itself. You know it's going to be just cringeworthy. Here's one of the quotes. Matt Rule said, Pepsi tastes like Pepsi 24 hours a day. We have a brand at the Carolina Panthers. The document reads, the brand defines us both on the field and everyday life. We are the toughest, hardest working, most competitive team in the NFL. The brand, the brand, the brand. We heard that all the time during Matt Rule's tenure. Now, I'm sure plenty of you are thinking Pepsi. Um, who drinks Pepsi? Because I know a lot of you love Coke. Okay, Pepsi. Um, born in a glass, raised in the Carolinas. So I'm a Pepsi guy. Just going to throw that one out there. Got to rep North Carolina at all times, even if it is my own detriment when it comes to Pepsi, Pepsi Cola. Cheer wine, always be better. And yeah, Coke probably tastes better. But I'm not really much of a cola drinker anyways when it comes to like that kind of drink. Um, either way, though, the whole brand always just was hilarious to me. We're going to be the toughest, hardest working, most competitive team in the NFL. All 32 teams want to be the toughest. All 32 teams want to work the hardest. And all 32 teams want to be the most competitive. And I promise you... The Detroit Lions are not working any less hard than most of these teams in the NFL. They just don't have the talent, and there's other things that also are holding them back, like coaching. Like the Carolina Panthers probably aren't working any less hard than the Buffalo Bills or Kansas City Chiefs or any of the better teams in the NFL. The problem is they don't have Patrick Mahomes. They don't have Tom Brady. They don't have Josh Allen. They don't have these quarterbacks. And the coaching staff wasn't good enough. So that whole like we're on and off the field deal where it's like these are grown men who have wives and children, they don't, so would you, they want to be the most competitive but at home when hanging out with their kid? Like, w- w- I don't understand that. Like, in college, when you own these kids, basically, when they're 18 to 22, yeah, you can put the brand, you can put all that nonsense out there 
and they can buy into it. But really, that's just like, dude, it's just goofy. Like these dudes got here for a reason. I don't think they need to be. Some of them need to have their hands held. And those ones you probably don't need on your roster. But the whole like, oh, the brand, and we're going to be the toughest, hardest working, most competitive team in the NFL. Well, that never even happened. And then he had his our plan to win. And we saw the DBO sign, don't beat ourselves, last season, and people hated it. Well, the Panthers had the 11th most penalties in the NFL during Matt Rule's 38 games. Matt Rule lost to talk about winning the line of scrimmage, which is a baseline football thing. You don't even need to write it down. Anyone who understands fundamentally what football is all about, if you can't win in the trenches, the line of scrimmage, you're not going to be able to win football games. Well, the Panthers had an awful offensive line in year one and two, and they've been terrible against the run. So didn't do that. Then you talk about winning the middle eight, which is the last four minutes of the first half and first four minutes of the second half and in the final five, which is the final five minutes of the game. Well, they're like 29th in the league when it came to the final five minutes in his tenure here in Carolina, which is representative of the Panthers never going down, having a game-winning drive. We thought they did it week one against Cleveland. They never did it. Teddy Bridgewater had a ton of opportunities to do it, went 0 for 8 in those situations, either tie or win the game back in 2020. The middle eight, I've really only heard that referred to in college. So that's a lot of college stuff going on, but nothing more college than this. Matt Rule said, if you can't write down this plan and the brand, then that staff member is not O-O-U. That acronym is commonly used in the building, or at least was commonly used in the building, and stands for One of Us. O-O-U was used regularly in the draft and free agency process to determine what players Carolina should and should not target. The acronym came to be mocked regularly by some staffers in the last year plus. One of Us. If you're an App State football fan, you've heard that before. It's not O-O-U. It's OKG, our kind of guys. That's what Sean Clark says in Boone. It works up in Boone where you have a defined, distinct culture that was built by Jerry Moore, and then Scott Satterfield was able to successfully take it from FCS to FBS. Now it's not really working for him at Louisville. Maybe he gets enough time there. It might work. Doubt it. And then Eli Drinkwitz, the fraud he is, used it alpha one year, went to Missouri, Ain't really going up great for him right now. And on Sean Clark, they're not as good as uh, they are when everyone was talking about how they were America's darlings early in the season. But still, they have the our kind of guys that you have to fit into our distinct culture. That doesn't necessarily work in the NFL. What you need in the NFL is talent. You don't need to be really all that concerned about, oh, whether this player fits in or not based off of whatever your culture is. Like, yeah, culture, it's an important thing. It's a buzzword that we like to talk about. But really, it's about the Jimmys and Joes. The X's and O's are also important, and they are, I mean, certainly they're more important than ever before. But if you don't have dudes who can play that are better than the other guys across the field, it doesn't really matter what your uh, OOUs are. You're one of us. It doesn't really matter. You need players. So I wonder how many players they said, and think about it. We can actually name one player that w- that they found out wasn't one of us. Denzel Perryman. Perryman shows up to training camp with a uh, speeding ticket going down I-85 South. How on earth he was able to drive through the upstate of South Carolina going as fast as he was is insane to me. And he's lucky he didn't kill himself or someone else. Because um, I see people who are idiotic all the time driving through that part of 85, which is, like Matt Rule said, constantly under construction. It's going to always be under construction, just like Matt Rule's uh, t- team was here in Carolina. Um, 
But yeah, like, so you have that. Then he didn't get vaccinated. Say whatever you want about that. That certainly um, probably didn't rub the team the right way um, as far as just like, hey, we don't want to have any issues. We just dealt with it. But I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that was one thing that he wasn't healthy and just didn't seem to be the personality fit. But then he goes to the Raiders and becomes a pro bowler and the Panthers struggle at middle linebacker with Jermaine Carter Jr., who, yes, had earned the job, mainly because Denzel Perryman was injured during training camp. But we saw how that worked out for the Panthers with Perryman. Like, that is one example. How many other guys just didn't necessarily mesh but went elsewhere and became ballers? You have to wonder that with the Carolina Panthers and Matt Rule. So it's always funny to see uh, when they start revealing everything when someone is out the door. And certainly there's plenty of things as far as Matt Rule is concerned and why things did not work here in Carolina. The brand. (laughs) The brand. The brand here in Carolina is keep pounding. Never forget that. Never forget that. All right, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, hosted by yours truly, Julian Council. Again, make sure to watch the show, subscribe to the show on our Locked On Panthers YouTube channel. Also, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter, at Julian Council, where every single Friday I answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions, either at me or DM me on Twitter, at Julian Council. Participate in this week's edition of the weekly Friday mailbag. In the meantime, Be safe, be happy, be whole as always. Keep pounding, and I'll talk to you tomorrow for yet another Locked On NFL crossover Thursday with David Harrison, one of the hosts of the Locked On Bucks podcast. So stay tuned for that on Thursday. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.